Uh, one time we were doing laundry. I should be honest, my wife was doing the laundry. So I, I'm fully capable at times. And uh, she was doing the laundry, and I heard kind of this gasp from downstairs. And I what would it be, right? She'd open the washing machine, it was finished. And somehow, I don't know how this happened. I have no idea. It's probably my fault. Uh, a diaper had gone into the laundry. And it would have been ripped apart. And it was just every, it, was, it was everywhere. It was covered, everything was covered. All the, all the clothes were covered. And uh, it was kind of stuck in the drum. It was really fun. And uh, so apologizing, I went down and we looked at it. And we just decided just do another load, right? So what else can you do? So we just put it back on. And thankfully, you know, it all came out. And now I'm so careful to check the hamper. Um, <laughs> Right, yeah, right where, right where we changed uh, Noah, there's the dream laundry effort, and there's garbage. And I must have just went to the wrong one. Yeah, it was a startling moment of expectations, a little bit chattered. Uh, going down, expecting it to be a pretty normal time, throwing your laundry in. Here's the ripped up diaper. It was really, really fun. Uh, <laughs> This story is also about expectations. It's about Martha's expectations of what she thinks Jesus should be about and what she expects from her sister. And Jesus turns Martha's expectations on their head. Uh, He takes what she expects to happen and uh, startles her about what happens and what he tells her. In the place that happens, it's not a laundry room, but it's a kitchen. And any of you that cook with families or cook for people, say Thanksgiving or Christmas or anything like that, you know the kitchen can be a place of blessing and grace and wonderfulness. The kitchen is also the place where your patience is tried and uh, people are in the way and things get burnt, you know, stuff spills in the oven and uh, all sorts of things can happen. And if you're a bit of a perfectionist, the kitchen can be a, a difficult place to be. It be a difficult place to be. Especially, like Martha, if you're relying on the help of a sibling or maybe a spouse or something. And here in the bustle of the kitchen, uh, in, a, in a meal that Jesus has come to share with Martha and Mary, uh, leads to this moment of frustration between the siblings, of, of expectations uh, suddenly shattered. And uh, there's something here for us to learn as well. So three points as we head into this. I want to look at what Mary's doing. We look at what Martha's doing, and then we're going to talk about what Jesus does. Mary, Martha, Jesus. Mary is at the feet of Jesus. Martha is is busy preparing the meal. She's getting ready to serve the guests, and Mary is ignoring all the work that needs to be done. She's just totally ignoring it. Like, imagine this, right? You're having company over, and you expected so-and-so to help you, and they're completely ignoring you. There's a lot of work to do. And they're just sitting there visiting. And stuff has to happen, right? Stuff has to happen. Mary ignores what needs to be done, and she chooses to sit at the feet of Jesus. Why does she sit at the feet of Jesus? The, the Sitting at the but of the rabbi, the teacher, is a picture of being their disciple. And so Mary's putting herself in the place of saying, I'm gonna, I want to be a disciple of Jesus. Uh, that's fairly significant. It's worth noting, the kingdom of God is made of 
men and women. Disciples of Christ are men and women. The image bearers of the Lord are men and women. The women are just as present as disciples of Jesus as the men are. There it is. Yes, all the women should say <laughs> amen. Uh, it's quite possible, though, that there would have been folks that would have been offended by Mary sitting there. We know Martha is. But there could have been others who thought Mary doesn't really belong there. It's not where one belongs. Mary, I think, is probably well aware of everyone's opinions. She's likely, as a sister, is well aware of the dirty looks she's getting in the kitchen from Martha. But she's decided to plant herself here at the feet of Jesus, regardless of what other people think. Just think about that for a second. Regardless of what everyone thinks, she's chosen to plant herself here at the foot of Jesus. To say, I'm going to be a disciple. This is the first thing I'm going to do. My first point when when it comes to Mary is that everyone's welcomed. Everyone's invited to become a disciple. Everyone's invited to a relationship with Jesus. Every single one of us, every single one of you, is invited to enter into a life with Christ. And that is an incredible invitation. And it's an invitation that I encourage you to respond to and enter into a life with Him. Regardless of your skin color or your background or your income or your education, regardless of any of that, everyone's welcomed to become a disciple of the Lord. Everyone. To be a friend of God. Uh, But also this, as much as everyone is welcomed and invited, there's a good chance that you're sitting at the feet of Jesus, is probably going to draw criticism from people. In this case, with Mary, it was the simple matter of, uh, I kind of would like your help in the kitchen, what are you doing? (laughs) But for others of us, it will probably draw criticism in other ways, likely from your family, maybe from your friends or your co-workers. It doesn't take long, uh, if you're a Christian and you ever mention it publicly or it comes out publicly that you are, that someone's going to start either poking at you or drawing attention to it and testing to see what does that really mean in your life. And I remember when I first started work at uh, Tree Nursery, where I worked for 10 summers as a teenager and whatnot, once people found out I was a Christian, also, I had all sorts of strange questions. And one of the weird ones was, well, why aren't you swearing more often? Because <laughs> everyone swore all the time. It's just what you what did. And I just like, I don't really feel like I need to. <laughs> and then of course I like English, so I was like, there's better words to use, you know. Like it's kind of it's kind of unimaginative to just swear. They didn't really get it. Um, but you get those questions. And some of you have got those kinds of questions, some of you have gotten more intense things than just questions. There's been criticism, there's been ridicule, there's mocking. Following Jesus, folks, is about laying down our lives. Uh, Paul says this in Philippians 2, 5-7. He says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. Jesus emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men. There's something about following Jesus uh, that requires the laying down of your life. And that will mean putting aside your own agendas and uh, the opinions that other people have of you to say following Jesus matters more uh, than the potential ridicule or mocking that I may experience in my life. This was true for Mary. 
in this moment with your sister, but it's also true for any of us in the workplace who get a hard time from our co-workers, and it's even more true for brothers and sisters around the world that experience very real persecution. Um, actually, in May, we're going to have uh, a drama stage show here from Voice of the Martyrs Canada, and it's going to be about persecution of the church uh, early May, and so you can look forward to that. The Bible says that following Jesus means we can probably expect some measure of persecution. And though today in Canada, uh, it's not as though we have to not gather at publicly at church, we're allowed to do this, but there's other ways in which kind of Christian faith is attacked, or Christians are mocked or ridiculed, and you don't have to go along on Facebook to find that. You may know people in your own life who do that too. Paul says this in Romans 8. He says, our suffering for Christ means we'll be glorified with him. So what I want to say is, is this. It's better to be alive in a relationship with Jesus uh, than to live your life worrying about the opinions of others and whether or not they like that you follow Jesus. It's really easy to focus on on people's criticism and miss out on people's encouragement. Have you ever noticed that? It's really easy. People can tell you, man, what you did there was fantastic. It was really good. Thanks for saying that. Thanks for doing that. You did a great job at work, whatever it was. But if one person tells you, you did a really sloppy job, it was pathetic, I don't like you, man, that sticks with you way longer, doesn't it? It's really easy to let criticism kind of dominate our imaginations and, and let compliments kind of slide off and go, well, thank you, it doesn't really matter. Um, but I pray that as a church, we would be people that could, could stand strong in our faith in Christ in a, in a world that, that does ridicule. And as I prayed this morning, man, that encouragement to one another is just so, so important, isn't it? And so even in our own church, let's, let's cultivate a, a culture of affirming and encouraging one another. It doesn't mean we can't always, you know, if there's issues, we have to call that out with love to one another, you know? But... But it's so important to, to stand alongside one another and just encourage along the way. All of us have stuff we're going through, right? And so that, that's, that's part of my heart for us as a church. So Mary, she's sitting at the feet of Jesus. It's a statement of how welcome everyone is. Uh, but it's also a reminder of what that will draw from the world when we choose to sit there. It doesn't take too long uh, before Martha uh, jumps into the scene. So my first point is about the welcome that everyone has through Mary uh, to sit at the feet of Jesus, just this reminder from her life, uh, but also the, 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 the ridicule of Bible drops. Now take a look at Martha. Look at verse 30. Martha was distracted with much serving. I think that's such a great way of putting that. And she went up to him, Jesus, and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Martha, you know, she's got a turkey in the oven, there's potatoes to be mashed, someone has to set the table, uh, and here's her sister, the one that she was hoping to rely on, right, just totally ignoring her. And the text tells us that, that Martha's distracted. And it's out of this place of being overwhelmed, you know, feeling kind of at wit's end, frustrated with her sister, she calls up to Jesus, uh, and assumes Jesus is going to side with her. <laughs> uh, great on, Martha. 
the second point is this. Friends, we can become so busy with ourselves that we forget the needs of others. Martha's only thinking about her own needs. She's only thinking about all the stuff she has to do to get things going. She's only aware of what's on her plate. And she doesn't actually sit back and go, hey, you know what? I think actually Mary might need to take this time to sit at the feet of Jesus. But Martha can't, she can't see beyond herself. Uh, and I think if she had, maybe she would realize, hey, my serving the background is actually allowing someone else to encounter God. They, they need that moment, whatever that is. And, and I can help facilitate that for my sister. If I just do my work as best as I can over here, it might not be what I expected. I might have opened the kitchen and realized things were a mess, and I opened the laundry and realized the diaper had gotten in there. Um, but there's something about laying aside our own expectations for the betterment of others. It's not fun, it's not always easy, but the reality is the presence of God and the work of Jesus in our lives I must trump my own agenda. So as much as I may have things I want to do, if there's something uh, that I wish Sarah was helping me with, but Sarah needs to spend the time with the Lord, I need to let her do that and lay aside the stuff that I would have rather got done that day to let her have the two hours to sit and, and, and spend the time with the Lord. I'll take the kids. You know? um, there's, a, there's a measure of laying down my own life to let someone else uh, have the time with Jesus that they need. And even as a church, uh, in all the different ways that, that you volunteer and serve, we've got such great volunteers at this church. Thank you. Uh, but think of your ministry. Think of you know those of you that are greeting and, and those of us that, that do music or you're helping with communion uh, or you're leading small groups or whatever it is, Sunday school and youth and, and go on and on and on. But all of it, is, is a measure of serving so that others can sit at the feet of Jesus. It doesn't mean we don't get to sit at the feet of Jesus while we do that, but there's a, there's a measure of working behind the scenes so that others can have that space that they need to just rest in Him. There's a lot that goes on on a Sunday morning that a lot of you probably aren't aware of. There's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that goes on so that we can come and do this, so that it works. It doesn't mean that uh, serving is a lesser thing, but there's something really beautiful about about saying, you know what, as much as there's a lot of things I'd like to get done, if I sit back and realize how much this person needs the time from the Lord, it's okay. It's okay if supper's not on the table at five, Martha. It's okay. It's all right. So Mary reminds us how everyone's welcome. And, and yet there will be ridicule as we follow the Lord's recidivus. Martha reminds us about how our own busyness can really distract us from letting others sit at his feet. Now let's look at what Jesus says. Look at verse 41, chapter 10, 41. The Lord said to her, Martha, Martha. Usually when you get two names kind of repeated, it's kind of the emphasis. <coughs> it's pretty obvious in English, but it's the same kind of thing in Greek. It's just this kind of strong emphasis, emotional emphasis. Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. Stop there. How many of you could put your name in there today? You're anxious about many things. I probably could. You're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary's, sorry, 
Mary's chosen the good portion. And it will not be taken away from her. Friends, your job's a good thing. Your relationships are good. Your serving at the church is good. Your friends and family are yet with the Lord. Um, but it's possible, friends, to be so focused on being busy, even with good things, that we miss out on the most important thing. And that's to sit at his feet. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean that that Serving others, it doesn't mean that your family is a waste of your time, it doesn't mean your job is a waste of time, but if those things you can distract it from mm-hmm. sitting at the feet of Jesus, something's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And we can all go through life, it's way easier than we realize to go through life without stopping at the feet of Jesus. But you know what? Such a life will only lend itself more to anxiety or to exhaustion, or burnout. And so the invitation for us this morning is to come to the feet of Jesus. That's what discipleship's all about. And when we choose to make Christ the very center of our lives, when we, when we purposefully set aside the time for him every day, uh, something really amazing happens. It, we actually become energized to go and do all the stuff that we need to do. It's kind of backwards. It's, it's, it's when we take the time to rest in his presence, to make that the center, that we can actually go and go about our responsibilities uh, with life instead of feeling burnt out. So question for you, is your life kind of a flurry of activity with a short kind of reprieve in Jesus here and there? You know, is it mostly busy? A little bit moment of rest? Or are the moments of rest in Christ the center thing? Is that the primary thing? And then from that you go to your work, to your family, to your responsibilities, whatever that is. We can begin with the life of Jesus and from that, from that place of rest, enter into everything. Or we can be busy with everything and once in a while transit with Jesus. In one way is life-giving, and one way is really slowly draining. But it's possible, friends, to be distracted by a lot of things, a lot of good things. There's a lot of good things you can do. You can fill your life up with a lot of good things to do. Uh, but at the end of our lives, there's really only one thing. There's really one thing that's necessary, says Jesus. And that's to sit with him. That's to become his friend. It's to enter into that relationship with him. And it's from that place of being affirmed in our identity in Christ, of, of knowing we're loved in Him, that we can then go and live and do all the stuff we have to do. Think about at the end of your life, you know, what what do you want to define you? You know, do you want on your tombstone? Do you want it to read, "This guy was really busy, <laughs> did lots of stuff," or "Live faithfully for the Lord." Didn't get everything done, but really loved Jesus well. Then showed him everything else they did. Throughout history, these two women, it's kind of come to embody two different aspects of the, of the Christian life. And one way of talking about it is Martha's kind of the active one. She's serving and she's in ministry, right? And, and a lot of our lives are marked by Martha. 
teach Sunday school and do stuff you know, in church and volunteer, we're involved in the community or whatever, make meals, you know, we're on mission and, and we're called to do those things, we're called to serve. But too often in, in evangelical churches, we only emphasize the mark of life. We, we, we talk about spiritual maturity by how busy you are for Jesus. And that's actually really wrong. That's not good. Jesus says that's not actually the mark of true discipleship. And so as much as our lives need to have a measure of Mary, we need to be serving, we need to be giving. We're called to be on mission together with the Lord in all sorts of ways. We're also called to model our lives off of Mary. So if Martha's the active life, Mary's the contemplative life. She's the one that reminds us of the need to return to prayer and return to the feet of Jesus. And if Martha kind of reminds us of all of our doing for Jesus, Mary reminds us of the need to just be in Jesus. And you're not a human doing, you're a human being. And so as much as we're called to do stuff, we're also called to be and rest in Jesus, who's the one who forms us and keeps us and, and gives us a real sense of our identity. You see how that works? If you just have one, uh, you're kind of lopsided. But the Christian likes to have both of these together. Um, but one is one is primary. It has to sit at his feet. Back to back to worship, back to repentance, back to faith. <coughs> What Mary's doing at Jesus' feet is, is it's like she's saying, I'm, I'm not going to let how much work I get done or how good I am at it to be what defines me. Those things are important. There's stuff to do in the kitchen. I'm sure eventually, like, she helped clean up the dishes, you know. It's not that we never get involved. Uh, but Mary's saying, my identity's not in what I do. It's in who I am in Jesus. That's the first thing. And until you get that sorted in your own life, you will spin your wheels trying to figure this out, trying to find who you are. And the only answer is to rest in the presence of Christ as a child of the King. That's who you are. You are not what you do. You're who you are in Christ. And from that place, he equips you to go and do, to go and serve, whatever way that is. I think, friends, to grow closer to Christ, we might have to unlearn some things. We might have to unlearn the busyness of Martha in order to learn how to sit like Mary. And I don't know what that is in your own life, but there's a reminder here that uh, it doesn't mean we don't work hard. It doesn't mean that we should strive to be our best, but there's really only the one thing necessary at the end of our lives. What do you want to be marked by? What do you want to be remembered by? Without that daily anchor in Jesus, you know, you, I'm totally this way. I'm more prone to anxiety and distraction and worry. I'm, I look more like Martha when I don't sit at his feet. And so there's a bit of a license here, friends. If you're in a place where you, you feel overwhelmed with stuff, it's okay to stop and take the time to sit at his feet. You need to. So as I wrap this up and as we prepare hearts for the table, my first, my first point is Mary. All are welcome. Everyone's invited to sit at his feet. Everyone's welcome to come and be a disciple. And that relationship with Jesus is worth more uh, than 
the good opinions of others, or lack thereof. He's so worth it. The danger is, is what we see in Martha, is that we can be so lost in our own busyness and in our own stress that, that we actually mistake our maturity. We actually think that all of our doing is what, you know, makes us who we are, and it's not true. It's easy to make even a good thing an idol, whether that's your family or your work, whatever that might be, it's easy to do that. But if Christ is not first in our hearts, it will go sideways. And that's where Mary reminds us to welcome, that we're welcome, we can sit here, we can be at his feet, we can stop the busyness, and Martha reminds us how easy it is to get lost in all the stuff of life, into our own uh, you know, misplaced sense of identity and idolatry. Jesus calls us back to the most necessary thing, which is a life with him. It's where we're rooted and abiding in him that we can then kind of go and do everything that we're called to do. So what are the implications for us? These are just some questions for you to think about as you kind of head into this week or the rest of this afternoon. What are the things that distract you from sitting at Jesus' feet? What are the things that get in the way of you taking that time to just rest in him? Uh, it could be anything, and it, probably, it could be a really good thing. It could be a thing that's important, that you should do. But is it uh, ordered properly? Does it have a, a wrong place in your life? It doesn't mean it's bad, it just means Jesus is first, and this thing should be second or third, not first, right? So do you need to sit back and just kind of rethink, what are actually my priorities in life? I might say it's God and family and work and church, but do I actually live that way? It's one thing to write that down and say, well, I know who's first. Jesus. Do you live like that? And that's a harder question to figure out. Does the time you spend actually match what you say your priorities are? So what are the things that distract you? What are the things that maybe take the place of Christ in your life? Is it a busyness? Is it distraction from something else? I don't know what that is, but think about that. And I encourage you to choose to let those things go or put those things in their proper place. Whatever they are. Where, like Martha, maybe have you become really absorbed in what you're doing, your work, your ideas, your agenda, your, your life, and that Jesus is just kind of a nice add-on, you know? You like being busy in the kitchen, and you're glad Jesus is kind of sitting in the living room, and he's good right over there. Thank you very much, right? Uh, don't really want to engage with him. I'm happy he's present, but I don't really want you to change me, Jesus. Don't call me out of my own... Life, I'm quite happy over here. And Jesus wants to come in and, and turn some things over in your life. He really does. Because he loves you. He really loves you. And where where in your own in your own life, in your own day, do you bring these two things together? The, the, the action and the contemplation. By that I mean you're serving and you're doing and you're living and you're volunteering and you're ministering and all that. And you're being and you're praying and you're life. Where do you bring those two together? How does that look? And if you're curious about that, I can try and offer some steps along the way. Um, but the best thing you can do is, is really that simple taking that time daily to pray and to read. It's really about as simple as that. Um, that won't be simplistic, but it will be a start to get you to get you on the path. But friends, Jesus is calling you. He longs for you to come and sit at his feet. He longs for you to be in relationship with him. 
And there is a danger and a seduction in our society to get wrapped up with distractions and busyness. It doesn't mean the word we're called to is bad, but if it becomes an idol in our lives, we, we lose track of what's most important. And so I just encourage you uh, to keep Jesus' words where he says, Mary's chosen the most necessary thing, the most important thing, which is to stay in line with me. He will call his disciples to go and serve. There's no question about that. Christian life isn't just sort of sitting and praying all the time, but it is a praying, living Christ all the time, whatever that might call you into. And so ask, Lord, is there a, is there something disproportionate in you? Am I, am I so busy with my own life I think not have to pray anymore? Or am I so wrapped up in my own stuff I don't even know how to serve someone else anymore? You know, the other way around? I don't even know how to be Martha anymore. I'm so used to just sitting here. Or I'm so used to running around I don't know how to be. And, and Jesus calls us to bring two together. 